Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by the one and only Jason Campbell. We're here to break down all things Auburn football for you ahead of, you know, kind of a big game each season. No big deal. Just the Deep South's oldest rivalry. And stay tuned to the end. We have a very special guest joining us. You know, when you think Auburn, Georgia, maybe a guy that comes to your mind, maybe, possibly, Ricardo Lewis. He's joining us to talk all about that beautiful prayer in Jordan Hare back in 2013. So it's going to be a special show. We're excited that you've joined us. Jason, I know this past week was a bye week. We didn't have any football to break down, but uh, since we last spoke, what what's the general consensus down in Auburn? How are they feeling heading into this one? Well, I tell you what, Taylor, if they feeling like I'm feeling, which I've talked to a few people down there, I'm ready to start playing the Eye of the Tiger when we come onto our show. Just get that music flowing in the background. Just, 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 just to get it going, you know, just to make the hair stand up on your skin a I'm little in. bit. So, you I'm know, in. I'm excited about this week. The guys <laughs> are excited about this week. And uh, I think we're looking forward to a tremendous historic game. Well, for this year, it kind of feels similar each season. The, the storyline heading into this one, like – Georgia is in control of the East. Auburn kind of needs to make a statement here in November with Georgia and Alabama still looming uh, to end that season well. Not all hope is lost for a run to the playoff. It's it's certainly minimal, but not lost. It, it carries so much weight along with the rivalry. You know what rides on the result of this game. And honestly, it, it feels that way for both teams. Like Georgia knows mm-hmm. the only way they're making a run is if they win this one. What is that like from a player's perspective to to have all of those elements added in when you take the field? Well, that's what makes November, like they always say, a month to remember. It's when yeah. you have to understand you're playing in games like this. They're, they're huge magnified games. The whole country is watching. And typically when you have to win the East, they usually have to come through Auburn, which is a weird way because Florida and Georgia is both on Auburn schedule this year. Mm-hmm. And now Georgia need to win this game in the most way. And then to even stay in there and their opportunities for the playoff. And then for Auburn, yes, we have a minimum chance, but at the same time, you still have an opportunity. You just never know. You know, you can't control what's going to happen down the road. Like we can't control LSU schedule, but we do have our next arch rival that's coming to town in two weeks. So, we got to control it one game at a time. And I think I hold the dynamic mindset right now is nobody comes into our house and make it to where they think they want to go without us having to say so. So I think Gus does a good job getting the guys prepared for, for Georgia games and Alabama games. And I just feel like this week with so much Georgia floating around me here in Atlanta, 
that's all I hear. And then my buddies that played at Georgia, so hey, it's Georgia week. It's Georgia week. I said, I know the date. I said, uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, I'm just looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to the game plan. And uh, it's nothing like being able to play in November with things on the line. Like, you don't want to just be playing this game to be playing it, but you want to be playing with high stakes. Absolutely. And it does feel like this team still has a lot to prove. I mean, with two losses, obviously there's some – unsettled fans and even players feeling like more has been left out on the field that they could have capitalized on. So there's just so much riding on this one and and creates so much hype and excitement. Do you have any favorite memories or any moments from your playing time that you can trace back? Like, was there any Georgia game that just like still stands out to you a lot? Yeah, I would say 2004 season. Um, okay. They came They came in here. We was highly ranked. They was like two or three in the country. Uh, they was like four, four or five. And it was a huge game. Game day was here. I'd never seen so many people in campus in my life. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like it was just, it was crazy just pulling up to the stadium with how many people were just all over the place. Like it was, the stadium was packed on the inside. You had just as many people outside that couldn't get in, just tailgating. And um I just remember taking that field in pregame. You can already feel the energy. You can already feel the excitement in the air. Like the student session was already crunk. And we didn't even have the sound system that they have now with all the new stuff that they've added. I was like, man, I wish we would have had that because it really would have been off the top. <laughs> but I just remember coming into that game and our defense started the game off first. And I remember them, Georgia tried to drive the ball and our guys ended up making a big hit. They missed the field goal. We drove the ball right back down the field and got seven points. And then from that point on, we just kept – hitting them and hitting them and hitting them and we ended up beating them 24 to 6 and uh and after that game you know I, I talked to some of their players and they were like man it's something about your team that year is just special he was like we had one of the best teams we feel like to ever come through Georgia because they was loaded at the time yeah and uh and we both were and uh for us to go out there and beat them the way that we did it showed a lot about how far Auburn had come and how far we was in that stage of taking that next flight to competing for national championships that's awesome Honestly, you feel kind of similarly about this year's group. Like there is something really special about this team. They've just mm-hmm. not been able to put it all together when it mattered most in in some of these big top 10 games like the Floridas and the LSUs. But if they could put it all together in the Georgia game, I mean, it, the reality at Auburn is, and people joke about it a lot, but it kind of is true. It, you can kind of redeem your season based on the Georgia and the Alabama games. Like that, that's just how it is. It, it, it carries so much importance for Auburn fans and Auburn players. Like they know it's, almost like a clean slate. Like they can kind of learn mm-hmm. from the losses, put them behind them. But these next two games and no discredit to Samford sandwich there in the middle. Sorry, shout out Bulldogs, but uh, <laughs> Georgia and Alabama, like that really will be what sticks out to them. I'm excited for what this team could potentially do because I know that like they, they want it so badly as bad as the fans want it. They want it twice as bad. My only concern Well, I've got a few, but a big concern (laughs) for me is that we have seen a very up and down Bo Nix. That has really Mm -hmm. been a storyline of this season. What he is about to see in Georgia is quite possibly the toughest defense that he has faced to date. Mm -hmm. And while he is more effective at home, we have not had such a reputable game at home. His home games have been 
Ole Miss, Mississippi State, ones where he had a little more cushion. So Mm -hmm. what is his demeanor like when a, quote, top dog like Georgia comes rolling in and you know what's on the line? How do you anticipate he's going to handle a situation like this? Yeah, you're right, Taylor. Um, Georgia's coming in here probably the best defense we've seen all year. Um, Yes, we went to LSU, we played on the road. Yes, we played in Florida. But to me, still, they doesn't compare it when it comes to Georgia's defense. Uh, What I mean Mm -hmm. by that is up front. Their defense up front is the Navit. Yes, Florida had two good end rushers, but Georgia's built from the inside out defensively. And then they have corners that can kind of match up uh, with our receivers a little bit. So, and the other thing is they have an experienced quarterback, you know, who's been over, who's been in national championships, who's been in the SEC uh, championship games, you know, back to back. So, you know, he's experienced in big games. I don't think really ever gets to him. Um, yeah. So it's so important for us, uh, especially with Bo, that he comes out, he gets off to a fast start because the reason so is he gets off to a fast start, then the crowd gets confidence. And when the crowd gets confidence, they get more animated and then your teammates get more animated and, and it makes out for a game that can go that can go in a ton of different ways. But if we get off to a slow start offensively and Bo gets off to a slow start, it can make the crowd very uneasy in which uneasiness puts a lot of pressure on your offense even more so then because then you start to force things. You start to – because you, you want to get everybody involved. You want to get that crowd pumped up about it. So then you start to do things after your norm, and that's when turnovers and things begin to happen. And that's why I think it's so important for, for Gus to get him off to a great start, and not just him, but to get our running game up and going early. And that will help mm-hmm. Bo out in the most way, especially if Booby Whitlow is back and he's healthy. Now you got a two-headed monster in the backfield with him and DJ Williams, I think with them alternating time, I think it takes a lot of pressure off one guy. And then it gives the defense a different look because it's one of those hard nose backyard footballs, three clouds in the dust, play action passing type football games. It always comes down to that when it comes to Jordan Auburn because the athletes are so good on both sides. And this is probably going to be one of the most biggest defensive games all year on both sides. So Mm -hmm. I look forward to the matchup. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The emphasis has to be on the run game for Auburn, right? Like you mentioned, if Booby Whitlow is back, DJ Williams has clearly proven that he can be a guy out there. So you put an emphasis there, create more short yardage situations that are more manageable for Bo and and don't put all that pressure on his arm. But you got to anticipate that Georgia's going to load the box to stop the run and make Knicks beat them with his arm, which they've seen is something that the Auburn offense has struggled with in the past game. Uh, the last time we saw him, though, he threw for a career high 340 yards against Ole Miss, but didn't pass for a touchdown. So that's uh-huh. where it starts to become problematic. They have to execute in the red zone. Bo has to prove to himself that he can do it. I think even going back to his accolades in the Ole Miss game, it's like, a compliment followed by like two insults. Like that's not doing much for his confidence. (laughs) Like he's got to prove to himself early that this team can drive downfield and punch it into the end zone. But how do they do it? It's like you said, like we get in the red zone, we got to get touchdowns. Uh, That's what's hurt us in our other two biggest games that we had against Florida and and, um, LSU is we weren't able to make those. We move the ball, but then we get three. And that's almost makes you feel as an offense, like it's a turnover. And yeah, in a game like this, we have to get seven because the reason is, like, you don't want to put all this pressure in the fourth quarter where you feel like you got to dig yourself out of a hole and you got to try to do things that's out of your norm. If we can stay in a norm because Bo has to be a big part of our run game this week. And we've had mm-hmm. two weeks to prepare for Georgia. 
and Georgia had to play Missouri last week. So they didn't have an extra week to get ready for us, but we did for them. So we have to find a way to make Bo more effective this week in the Georgia game, more so than any other game that he's ran the ball in. And the reason why is because we have to be able to spread them out more. And you have to get those big linebackers outside the box because, like I said, they are going to pack the box. They are going to make you see if you can beat us down the field throwing the ball. But if you got to make a linebacker have to account for, I got to watch the quarterback read. I got to keep my eyes on the quarterback, see if he's keeping it. And he doesn't have to hit a big play 20, 25 yards every time he runs the ball. If he's just picking up normal first downs by just keeping the ball and keeping their backside ends and their backside linebackers honest, that pays dividends for us to use RPOs in our passing game. And that's when your mm-hmm. passing game gets the chance to go to the next level. And then that's what creates touchdowns in the red zone. So our RPO game has to go up in the red zone, but it's only beneficial if we're using all elements of the run game to to force their defense to have to put that man down there and have to keep their eyes on both as well as the receivers that's trying to run the routes behind them. So it's interesting. And other thing is we can't have false starts this week, not against great yeah. defense, can't have false starts. You can't be third and seven or third and six or more. We got to find a way to be third and three or less. And that way it gives us more opportunities. Even if you do have an opportunity to go for it, it's a fourth and one situation, which I feel comfortable with us getting it in those situations. But we cannot afford those miscues. We cannot afford the miscommunications. Like We have to iron those things out in order to have success in this game. Yes, I agree. Discipline is going to be a huge aspect of this game. Disciplined execution, which is usually at a high following a bye week because those are things that are really just like pounded on during the bye week. So promising there. I agree with you. I would love to see Bo Nix in in more of the run game. I think that that, he actually is a very good scrambler and we don't get to see it often. I don't know if they've like just wanted to keep him in the pocket as long as they can and, and get him more confident in that pass game or if they were hesitant for him to get hurt, which of course is still a worry because we are without Joey Gatewood. So what the frick happens if Bo Nix goes down? But Jay Cam comes in with a knee brace. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. Uh, but I do think that that's an aspect of his game that, that really could be utilized well against Georgia's defense. So I really hope that they implement that. Uh, and then, of course, like we say every week, You've got to utilize Anthony Schwartz. I mean, this guy has right. world-class speed. Obviously, you you want to utilize him as much as you can in the pass game, but even on reverses and jet sweeps, like mm-hmm. if you're going to stretch the defense, a Georgia defense, Schwartz is the guy to do that most effectively. Yeah, Schwartz is definitely the guy to do that because this guy, he could take two people with him by just running a deep post route. And it's not even a post route that we may even want to throw him the ball, but it's just to take the extra defender with him so that we can hit a crossing route that's coming underneath. And that creates separation and creates open space. So sometimes I tell guys, I'm like, hey, when you're a a top-notch receiver or you a guy with world-class speed, you bring attention to yourself, i like, it's good and bad. I say the good thing is you can blow by a lot of people. I say the bad thing is you're going to draw double coverage. So you're not going to have more opportunities to likely get one-on-one opportunities to be open. So I said, but you can be a great teammate by doing your job and just sometimes just running that deep route to take two guys with you so we can open up a guy that's, that can give your other teammate opportunity to keep the ball moving forward. So with his type of speed and aspect, like you said, reverses, sweeps, even you know, maybe lining him up in the wildcat and let him run a little bit. If, you, if we get so worried about getting bow hurt, it's another way we can do it. I know, yes, we do. We use Booby sometimes in, in, in that situation. But, mm-hmm. you know, Swartz is a lot faster guy than Booby. You know, if, if you blink half a second, he's by you. So yeah. why not put him in the, why not put him in the Wildcat 
since we don't have a real experienced backup quarterback and let and let uh Swartz read the end, read the linebackers or read the three technique. And then that way, if he keeps the ball, it really puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And then you can bring Bo back into the game and, and still operate your offense. And that way we're not worried about our starter getting hurt and and everything. So there's ways to utilize him and ways mm-hmm. to get him more involved on the offense. And like I say, it don't always mean he got to touch the ball, but just utilize him. You know, he, he's he's a, a magnet. Right. No, I totally agree with you. And I, I like that. I think this is going to be one of those situations, especially offensively, where like, you got to have all hands on deck. I mean, there have been there's been a lot of movement on the O line. There's been the development of Bo Nix. Booby Whitlow has not been a hundred percent. But like, this is the game where it all has to come together. I'm hoping to see a little creativity. I'm hoping to see a little versatility. I think they got to play with with some energy and some fun. Like this is what college football is about. Games like this, you know, like buy into that. Yeah, exactly what we talked about last week when we was talking about the energy. Um, you know, some of the fans leaving early from the game. You know, I don't know whether it was cold weather or whether they just didn't feel the energy. But at the same time, like I said, fans have to help bring some energy as well into the stadium. And you won't have to worry about that in this game because the magnitude of it. But also the players have to also come out there with energy. And when you come out there with energy, that kind of it, it just spreads throughout the team and it kind of spreads throughout the fan base. So sometimes you, it's all about picking each other up. You know, with this opportunity for them to, to come up against Georgia and to sneak out of there with that win, you know, it, it pays dividends for uh, for us to, to feed off each other. And, and like you say, play with some excitement, get confident. Like you make a big play, get excited about it, feed off each other. And that what helps you when you get in the red zone. So you get in the red zone. All that energy just carries you across that line. And that goes for the fans, too. And don't even get me started on that soapbox. If you need to hear it, go back to last week's episode because I rambled for about 15 minutes because I'm very passionate about that. But everybody, stay in the stadium. Cheer these boys on. This is going to be a huge game, and it could come down to the end. We have seen it before, i.e. Ricardo Lewis. He'll tell you. Uh, Okay, so I want to talk about the defense real quick. Obviously, they have just been so solid. I I mean, like, I just – if I ever see Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, I'm just going to give him a big hug because I just am so <laughs> appreciative of everything that they have done. Uh, you, you're obviously feeling real confident about that defensive line. The secondary is what is really going to be tested this week. We know what to expect from a guy like Jake Fromm. He's very comfortable in the pocket. He's a very accurate passer, and he has a lot of height in his receivers. They've got a 6'3", a 6'5". They've got size out there. So – the open field tackles, the the space, our secondary being smart and, and reading these things correctly, that's going to be a huge difference maker in this game. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, like I say, everything starts up front for us defensively. Um, Derrick Brown and Marlon Davis and Big Cat Brian and Nick Poe, like this is a game for them that you want to pin your ears back and you, you want to get to the quarterback. But you have to be careful with that as well because they do have a great running back in Swift. And so we can't lose sight of him. So I'm pretty sure Coach Steele has preached all week. Guys, number one thing, no defense like to get done to them is ran the ball on. And so I'm pretty sure he's saying we're going to stop the run and make them one-dimensional and put the ball in Fromm's hand, which is, like you said, is a great quarterback, has had an outstanding college career. But at the same time, I think with our front four and us not having to blitz him to get pressure on him, I think creates a matchup for us to win because – 
because we can get there. We can get home with him without having to take a guy out of our secondary in a blitz package. So it's very important that our guys just make sure we just tackle this. We cannot get so caught up into the atmosphere that we're trying to throw knockout, knockout hits. And what I mean by that is when you try to go hit knockout hits, the guy continues to go. And we saw that in the LSU-Alabama game last week or guys were trying to hit guys instead of just tackling getting the guy on the ground. So in games like this, we got to make sure the most important thing is the guy goes down on the ground, that we don't worry about trying to script so many balls and, and letting guys just get loose and then turn those into touch, touchdowns when we could have made them have to earn it by going the long haul. I even think somehow we had a bye week and yet our defense came out looking like stars once again, and they didn't even take the field because LSU beating mm-hmm. Alabama, but the score right. was 46 to 41. Alabama mm-hmm. defense allowed LSU to put up 46 points at their home, and we went into Death Valley and kept them to 23. I just think that's such a testament to the talent that these guys have, and I feel really good about them being back in Jordan-Hare and having the momentum heading into this game. Like you mentioned, there's a special tie to this one for Derek Brown because he's from Georgia, so as if that guy needs more of a motivator, like, please. But this this one's big, and and I think that they're going to step up to the challenge once again it's going to be, can the offense match it? Right. Like I said, I was impressed. Like the way the LSU went and put up that kind of points in someone else's stadium, and they couldn't even put that up against us in their own backyard. Mm-hmm. It, it is a testament to our, to our defense, it's a testament to, to the type of athletes and type of players that we recruited. And uh, like I said, Auburn does an outstanding job of recruiting. And uh, so we're right up there with them when it comes toe-to-toe with athletes. That's not an issue. Uh, we just got to – you know, it's just unfortunate this year that in key positions that our offense inexperience doesn't meet our defense experience on, on that side of the ball. And that's right. uh, it's kind of hurt us where you look at these teams that's elite right now that's winning their experience in every major position. And that's the reason they're up there in those in those highly ranked positions is because the experience is something you cannot coach and something you cannot teach. It goes back to what we said a few weeks ago. Sometimes everybody needs a helping hand. And just know, defensively, yeah, we carrying a torch this year. You know what? This is our year to carry the torch. We got major guys up front. We probably won't ever see a another defensive combination like we have in in Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson for the next five, six, seven, maybe even ten years. Like yeah. it just don't come around that often. We need to just understand that this is their year. They got to carry the torch, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, that is so so true. Uh, I'm freaking pumped for this one. Everyone enjoy it down there on the plains. I will be there in spirit. It's going to be a great atmosphere. <laughs> uh, pull these guys to a victory, man. They they deserve it. We've almost got to dessert table. We've had appetizers <laughs> and we have dinner. Now it's time for us to get that chocolate cake, the pecan pie, the apple pie, whatever people want to cook on Thanksgiving. Those guys want it sitting at the table when they walk in the house and say, Mom, Dad, I'm home. Where's my dessert? And that's what we're saying on the football field right now. These guys are ready for their dessert. Now, Jason Campbell, you are speaking my language. You compare football to food. I am in. Speaking of getting fed, you like how I segue that one there? Ricardo Lewis. Right, there you go. I'm pumped to catch up with Ricardo. He's an awesome guy and uh, certainly one of the best stories in Auburn football history. So we're going to get his perspective in just a moment. Well, now, everybody, without further ado, the reason that you have been listening to Jason and I ramble for the past 40 minutes, we are so excited to be joined by former Auburn wide receiver, 
Ricardo Lewis. Ricardo, thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh man, thank you for having me, Taylor. I was telling Jason before we started recording, we go back, we, we were in school together at Auburn and I was uh-huh. a student reporter. I used to cover like the weekly press conferences and post game and stuff. And then when you were nominated for an ESPY from that catch, I was actually in LA covering the ESPYs yeah. as well. So I interviewed you out there. I mean, we've, we've had some full circle moments. Yeah, I, I was just looking at uh, some of the pictures from, from that moment. <laughs> I think I, I, we had a picture with me, you, and Sammy Coates. Yeah. And, you know, just reminiscing, man, those, that, that, that day at the SB, that whole day was, you know, just magical. That was one of the it best was. times of my college career. It was so cool. You, I think Trey Mason went and mm-hmm. Coach Mel's on. And, I, uh-huh. yeah, I remember – I talked to all of y'all and I was like, what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> like, I was looking around like, how did we find ourselves on this red carpet? But uh, no, that was awesome. Well, you are, you're now in the league. We were catching up a little bit. You were drafted by the Browns. Now you're in Miami. You're on IR right now, coming back from an ACL tear, mm-hmm. but uh, you've been in the league since your time at Auburn. Just catch us up, man. How's, how's it all been in, in the NFL side of things? Man, it's, it's, it's been fun, man. It's been a dream come true. Um, you know, a lot of things didn't pan out how I expected, but I've also learned a lot of lessons. Uh, it, it, it's, it's benefited me in a lot of different ways, you know, some ways I can't explain, but I'm very grateful for my opportunity in the NFL. Uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, many more years of kind of just, you know, playing, but also, you know, helping people in, in my community and just all over, all over the world, really, you know, because everybody loves sports, everybody loves football. So I want to, you know, do what I can to continue to to build my legacy, not only on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah, Ricardo, we was talking before we came on the air. Um, and we were just talking about the difference between college and, uh, and pro football. So, you know, to all these young guys out there that's listening, and especially like young receivers, um, we was talking about the, the video, the film work, you know, the study habits. Like, how would you relate that to them coming from college now to playing in the NFL on, on something they can start now instead of later? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it. You, it's better to start now than to start later because that will give you an edge, and an edge will give you a better chance to win, you know, because everybody in the league is fast, everybody's strong. You got linebackers running four fours, and these defensive ends are running four five. So, you know, how can you combat something like that? You know, you have to be a few steps ahead of them, you know, because the coaches give you a game plan. But it's up to you to execute the game plan. It's up to you to, to put in the extra work to give yourself an edge because the coaches already give you, you know, a blueprint of what they feel like will help the team win and help you prosper on the field. But if you put in that extra work in the film room after practice, it'll all pay, it'll all pay dividends, in, you know, in the long run. That's great advice. I asked this of all of our guests. I've asked this of Jason too, because I just think it's interesting and everyone kind of has a different answer, which I think is unique. When you look back to your time at Auburn and and all the lessons you learned and all the experiences that you gained and now having been in the league for a few years, what would you say is something that Auburn taught you that has really prepared you well for the NFL? Man, uh, so Auburn, Auburn, before I even got, before I even signed to Auburn, uh, one of the main things was uh, family. You know, you got the AU family, and they preach family a lot. 
And I didn't really understand it until I actually went through the process at Auburn. And once I left Auburn, I realized that, you know, it's better to have uh, your close ones, your loved ones close to you when the times are good and when the times are bad, because that's when, that's when you know who's, who's really, who's really there for you, who's for you, who really, who's really there for your best interest. And that's how it was when I was going through the process at Auburn. A lot of the times when, you know, times were tough for us, like my first year we went, what, three and nine, and all we had was each other. You know, we, all we had was each other to lean on, and we sing that song after the games, and um, we went through the process that, that for my first year. Then the next year we went 12-2 and two, national championship, and that right there taught me a lesson. You know, you, you stick together, and, you know, anything can happen. And that's how I look at it now. I keep, you know, make sure I have good energy around me. Make sure I have my family close to me. Make sure I keep my loved ones close to me because, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And, you know, that's kind of one thing that I learned. I still keep in touch with some of the guys for, that I went to school with. You know, I may not have talked to them for a few months, but it's one of those things where if I see you, it'll be like we haven't skipped a beat. You know, and yeah. that's, that's one thing I love about, you know, going to school at Auburn. Yeah, you're right, man. Auburn is a, it's a great family me and Taylor talk about that all the time it's how I run it how that's the first thing that came out of your mouth I kind of chuckle to myself because it's so true you know it's not something that we tell each other it's just that people feel it you know it's a feeling it's a spiritual thing man it's good you keep in contact with your fellas I don't want to dive into the football aspect real quick as far as like Auburn and uh you know coach Gus Malzahn when you was in coach Malzahn's offensive system and everything and everyone is it's fast paced you know it's, it's get the ball it's get the ball going get the ball snapped you know from an inside person that played on that team, what is expected of the receivers and how much does tempo like help you within the offense? And then what's the only thing you feel like that sets you back if you go too fast? Man, this first this, let me just say I love playing that offense, man. That was it was a lot of fun. And one of the main things that made it fun for me was being in great shape and watching the other team get tired. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like I love boxing. You know, I was comparing things to boxing. It's kind of like when you you filling a guy out in the beginning of the fight, and then you start to wear him down. He starts to get tired, but you're in great shape, and you just go to work on him and you win mm-hmm. the fight. That's kind of how it was for us in our offense. We ran the ball a lot, and then we hit you down the field for a four yard gain, and just watching you know the, the team that we played slowly deteriorate. And that's what gave us an edge, you know. That's that's why you know we were able to do what we did that year, and you know, obviously it was just a blessing. A lot of the magical stuff that happened as well, but I would say some of the things that would catch us off guard or kind of slow us down was when we moved too fast and maybe you know because we 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 got the plays from the sideline and signals and boards and a lot of different things and. Sometimes you're moving too fast, you may miss a formation, you may miss a call, and that'll slow us down. But we worked it so much that stuff like that rarely ever happened. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons why we were so effective in, you know, in our pace. Now, you, I know you're, you're busy and, and it's been tough for you to watch every game, but you know the general storyline. It, it's been lights out defense and an inconsistent mm-hmm. offense led by a true freshman quarterback who's kind of working through his growing pains. Uh, but, but there are glimpses. Knowing mm-hmm. what you know about successful Auburn offenses, especially under Gus Malzahn, 
What would you say these guys need to remember to execute most when they're out there playing Georgia? I would say just do your job. Uh, you, I, I trust in what, you know, Gus Malzahn is doing. Uh, it's proven to work in uh, many different occasions, many different games, seasons. And just trust in what he's, what he, what he's you know, preaching to you. Whatever the progression you're going through as a quarterback, you do it and just and, and do your job. And I would also say that when it's a game like this, you know that there's a there's there's, there's a, a a flip there's a switch that flips. For me personally, and a lot of the guys I play with, we knew that when it came down to the deep south oldest rivalry or the Iron Bowl, that it was different. The approach was different that week. That whole week was different. Like after the game before that week, it was like a light turned on and was like, it's, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Take everything you learned, everything the coach has been preaching to you, all the hard work you put in throughout the season, all the ups and downs. You take that, you pull it all, put it all into one of the biggest games of your lives. And you do something like that. There's no telling what could happen. Okay. I'm going to put you back in the moment. (laughs) You're down Mm -hmm. 38 to 37 at home to Georgia. There is 36 seconds left. Seems like all hope is lost. But no. Fourth and 18. (laughs) Nick Marshall with a bomb downfield. Two defenders. Looks like it's way overthrown. Everyone's deflated. And these morons tip the ball. And boom. Into the hands of our guy, Ricardo Lewis, and to the end zone he runs, and to all a good night. There is absolutely nothing like it. Time stood still, and uh, I think my heart still has palpitations when I think back to it. But I want to hear about it from your perspective. When you were out there and you guys knew what was on the line, what was going through your mind? Man, it feels like it was yesterday every time I talk about it. I take myself back to the game and I just remember being on the sideline and the team being down and we were down guys sitting on the benches looking like, you know, we lost already. And I was kind of pacing up and down the sideline because I wasn't in on the last play because I think Georgia had called a timeout and they huddled up on the sideline. I was kind of pacing back and forth like, man, I should be in the game. I felt like I had a pretty good game that game, a few catches, a couple of uh, runs, long runs and, I was, you know, feeling good. I felt like I could make a play. Mm-hmm. And then I looked around at the stands and, and the fans. And I, I seen a lot of people, you know, waving their – waving the, uh, the little flags and, you know, just kind of like wishing for – looking for something. And then you seen some fans that were kind of down and, you know, just like moping around like, man, I can't believe we lost. And I was, I was very aware of all of that. And that kind of just built up something inside of me to just, you know, tell Nick Marshall to throw me the ball. But I wasn't even going to be in until Coach Craig called me and was like, look, let's put Ricardo in at this position. Let's take whoever out. And when he called me, my just my eyes lit up. I got kind of excited, like, oh, thank God he's putting me in because I want the <laughs> ball. I feel like I can make a play, you know. Mm-hmm. So we in the huddle, uh, and I remember being across from Nick and Miles on calling the play. And we're talking about, you know, the possibilities of what, you know, could happen, what he does if he's under the rest. And there was a moment of silence for a few seconds. And 
me and Nick locked eyes, and I was like, look, hey, throw me the ball. <laughs> and he was just like, <laughs> Nick was so locked in and so zoned in in the moment, he just gave me a nod. I was like, but it was one of those, like, those, those moments where you knew that we understood what was at stake. Like, we knew what was about to happen, but it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Mm-hmm. That moment that me and him had, but I looked like we locked eyes for the first time in the whole year like that. And said, and I was like, look, hey, <laughs> throw me the ball. And he just he nodded. He looked up at the scoreboard. He looked up at the uh, at the time. And the ref blew the whistle. And we ran out to the field. And I say one more time to him as I'm running out. I don't look at him or anything. I just say it out loud. I say, Nick, throw the ball. And I go to my spot. I'm looking downfield. I see a few guys. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to jump for it. I'm gonna have to make a jump ball, <laughs> jump play, like jump for it, and probably kick a field goal, and we win the game. That was my mindset. So I snapped the ball, took off, uh, started running, and I realized that the ball was it was overthrown a little bit. So I kind of sped up to catch up to it. And while I'm, you know, kind of speeding up, I look, to, you know, look at the defenders. And I tell myself, I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, this is definitely going to be tipped because these guys are running, like, they're about to run into each other. Like, it's either they pick it or it's going to get tipped. So I just kept running because I knew I probably wasn't going to be able to get there in time to make a jump ball play. And just by the grace of God, you know, I kept on, 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 the, same, on the same path, on the same track that I was running on. I looked up for the ball when it tipped. And it's kind of like I was looking up at the sky, like, God, please. Let me make this play. The way to kind of see my like my eyes and my head up, my hands up, and that moment was one of the slowest moments I've ever had on the field. It's like time yeah. stopped, everything stopped, and it was just me and the ball, and it just fell in my hands like it's just so slow. It just I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just. Everything happened so slow. I was so in the moment. I was just so zoned in on it, and hit my. I caught it. I looked back to see if anybody was coming to get me, and running the end zone. And it's kind of like when you. It's kind of like if you had earplugs in your ear, in that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. And as soon as you all score, right. the ear, the earplugs come out, and all, all right. you hear is eighty-five thousand people screaming. All right. And that yeah. was. That like I, I didn't know what to do to be honest. I kind of was just like <laughs> just taking in the moment, you know, taking in the moment and looking around like wow, you know. And at that time, I didn't know what I just did to be honest. Yeah, I was just making a play. And then when I looked, when I sat down at my locker after the game, I uh, I realized that I had a flashback to when I was a kid, and we used to play this this game called Throw 'Em Up, Bust 'Em Up. And that's a, that's a game where it's, it it could be like you know seven to eight guys, mm-hmm. you know, kids playing, and somebody has the ball, they throw it up, and a person jumps up to catch it, and they go run and score. I was always the one to kind of you know sometimes I jump and I won't get it because some of the guys are bigger than me, and I was like you know what, let me find another way, let me let me strategize a little bit. So sometimes they'll be so eager to catch the ball that they'll tip up, and I'll catch it. I'll be the one to scoop it and get up out of there and go score. And I had a flashback to that moment, and that's kind of what it felt like when that when that play happened. You know, it was just, I feel like a kid again, and it's probably why time slowed down like that for me to, you know, make that play. And it's funny that they call it the the prayer in the Jordan hair 
You know, they was asking me, you know, what nickname were you getting that, that play? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they was throwing things out there and, you know, a few of them stuck. Miracle and Jordan here, Prayer and Jordan here. Yeah. And it's funny that they call it the Prayer and Jordan here because for weeks and weeks and weeks, I was praying and praying and praying that God would allow me to make a great play in the season. Just do something great. I was like, God, just allow me to do something great, something that's never been done before. I was praying it every 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 night before I went to sleep. I was praying it when I got in the stadium, and you know, and it happened. And every time people look at that play and they say, "Oh, that play was lucky, man. You was lucky." Uh, and in my head, I'm like, "No, nah, I'm not. I don't really want to call it luck, man. I just I just feel like it's a blessing from God, to be honest, man, because that right. totally changed the trajectory of my 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 life, to be honest." You know, yeah. I, we, like Taylor said, you know, like, what are we doing here on the red carpet at the SV? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? You know, and, and man, I mean, I'm sitting next to people that I watched on TV for years. Like, there's Bryant. You got Peyton Manning. You got Drake. You got The Rock. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I'm just a 19-year-old kid from Miami, Florida at Arbor University. And I'm on stage with Floyd Mayweather and Maria Sharapova and all my teammates. And I look in the crowd, I'm like, wow, like, this is what, this is what can happen when you just put your faith in God and just mm-hmm. trust that it, 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 what you're praying for will happen. You know, it took me a while to realize that and, and have that understanding and mature to be able to tell this story in, in, in this way. But that's what that moment meant to me, and that's what that moment was like. And I, I'll forever cherish it. And the fact that I get a chance to come back um, this Saturday, the mo- thing I'm most excited about is just being around um, the fans, you know, just being in that stadium and just having that feeling again, just being on that field in Auburn and just enjoying the moment, being around just good energy and good and just love and, that's what I miss the most. Of course, I miss right. the game, but the game wouldn't be nothing without the atmosphere. Well, you already know your hair about to stand up on your arms this week because when they announce you in the stadium, oh, yeah. they show that big that they show that uh that play on the big screen, and you already know it's just going to erupt. So yeah. I hope you bring in some friends oh, with you God. to get a chance to experience that family members or something because it just doesn't happen all the time. That just gave me chills. I love, I mean, how appropriately named the prayer in Jordan Hare. I mean, the good Lord heard your prayers and was like, all right, buddy, here you go. (laughs) That is awesome. I I love to hear that. Uh, I was watching it back, like I told you. And of course, my favorite is the Rod Bramlett call of it. I mean, that's just amazing. But I was watching the actual broadcast and they were saying, play of the year, most improbable touchdown you'll ever see. Those were some actual quotes. Uh, little did we know, two weeks later, something just as mm-hmm. crazy was going to happen. Right, like, exactly. I mean, you never think when you're in one of those moments that something that crazy is going to happen anytime soon. And then somehow that team pulled off another unthinkable moment two weeks later. What was it about that team that was able to pull off something so special that year? It, just, it goes back to just that's my first year we went three and nine. Um, something happened between the time of the last game of the year and the beginning of training 
in that 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 that, that summer, that summer training, that winter training. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is that happens, but I think that deep down inside of everybody that was part of that team wanted to redeem themselves. And Miles on preached that a lot. And honestly, his leadership is is one of the the, the biggest reasons why we I think we were able to do what we did that year. Because just the way he taught us to carry ourselves, um, just being a good man, you know, being good men before players was very important. And mm-hmm. I think we did that very well throughout the whole year. And, I mean, the magic started in the off season. The magic started in, in the meetings. The magic started with, with us going out and, and being great students, great uh, brothers, sisters, cousins, I mean, brothers, uh cousin, family member, whatever it is, you were, you, were, you were being a real genuine man in everything that you did. And that comes from just miles on the way he approached uh, every situation. And obviously he wasn't there that 2012, my first year, but he came back. And I think that he had that redemption in himself as well, because he came back and, I, you know, maybe he had something to prove, you know, maybe he had a lot on his plate. He wanted something, he wanted to accomplish something. But just his approach and everything he did and, you know, rubbed off on us and we attacked every day as if it were our last. And the magic started, you know, like I said, in the meeting room, in the workouts, in the long training days and fast-paced practices. And, but you know, before all those big plays, before my play and Chris Davis's play, one of the first magical moments was uh, C.J. Ozama. Yeah. Against Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State, yeah, Mississippi State in the yeah. back, uh, the back corner. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, that was just, that set it off right there. And then obviously we beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel, Mike Evans, and you know the whole tandem. Yeah, huge one. And we lit them up. We had Trey Mason, who was yeah. running like a madman that year. Um, it's a lot of different, a lot of different aspects that that led up to that point. We had great teammates, great coaching staff, the trainers, athletic trainers, uh, strength coaches, the equipment managers, the people at the front desk in the in the athletic building, the tutors, the teachers. I mean, everybody played a part. In my opinion, everybody played a part in that winning season for us. Oh, that's good stuff. Man, so much respect for you. It's it's great to hear that you're doing well and, and doing big things since your time at Auburn. Thank you a lot for talking with us today. And enjoy your time back in Auburn. I will, I will, man. No problem. Thank you for having me, man. It was great talking to you guys. Yeah, we enjoyed it, man. And uh, like I said, prayers up for your ACL injury. Everybody that's listening, you know, make sure y'all lift yes. up Ricardo Lewis. Absolutely. Uh, with his knee injury, that comes back full strength and full health. And, uh, hey, man, find the best eating spot in Auburn while you're there. Get some barbecue. Get you some of those, uh, uh, well, some of those, uh, those biscuits. Sure. Thanks those, for reminding me. Yeah, so go ahead and get and, and fatten up a little bit, man. You, you'll shed it back <laughs> off. <laughs> it's important, man. Enjoy game day. Oh, well. Uh, well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here on Tiger Talk. Jason and I always love breaking down everything Auburn football for you. Everybody be sure and pull the Tigers to a big victory this week against Georgia, and we will be back next week to recap all of it. So for Jason and myself, thanks for listening, everybody. War Eagle.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.